All right, good morning and welcome here to Breakthrough City Church. Welcome to those who are watching live and those who are here with us this morning. Um, this is uh, basically um, just our last official meeting that we're doing a live recording here just for this year. Um, and uh, we'll be coming together as a family as well, just doing practically things outside the venue. Um, it's also just an interesting thing today is that uh, exactly a year ago that we actually moved from our previous venue um, and we are trusting that we will step into a new place soon that God will provide for that. Um, so uh, there is something that God is busy with. And um, so that is uh, just in an interesting time in that. And so this word I want to share actually, sometimes you would, you know, I actually want to just end off with this message even for the year. For those who haven't got our prophetic word from last week, there's a long message, but there's a transcript which we actually summarize things as well. You can get it on the web as well as the Facebook page of the prophetic word for 2023. And um, uh, But God has something good in store for each one of us in every area of our life. So just take, read that prophetic word, listen to it, if you can get hold of it on our website or our Facebook page. So this morning, I want to share a, a just a word which which um, you would think maybe at the beginning of the year maybe to share, but I don't want to share it now because sometimes, you know, a person takes a bit of stock um, of at the end of the year about, okay, what now? And some of us, like Ophelia, might feel a bit, ah, uh, you know, end of the year. But I, I just want to encourage you today and because one of the things even for the season and even stepping into 23 uh, part of the prophetic word, there was things about um, even harvest. There's a thing about souls and people getting saved and coming to know the Lord. Besides being healed and miracles happening. But there's, um, I, I believe that God is positioning um, us as a local church, but also those outside there to actually um, to be ready and to be able to actively uh, look to bring in harvest. Who believes that God is serious in, uh, about seeing people coming to know him, getting saved. Amen. So, um, you know, so we need to be serious about what he's serious about and to take note about what he's doing. And so um, this, even the season we're going into, there really, you know, the scripture says the, the harvest is ready. Pray to the Lord of the harvest for laborers. It's not that the, the, the harvest has been ready. It's just the laborers. And point to your neighbor or tell your neighbor, you're a laborer. Yeah. Yeah. You're a laborer. We are laboring in the kingdom. Um, I'll just refer to some scriptures here and just touching it. And um, so in Matthew 4 verse 18. Let me just read that. Matthew 4 verse 18. You know the story about this where Jesus goes, and I'll read verse 18, Matthew 4, 18 says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And so we know the story, yeah, what actually happens is, I mean, it's just quite amazing what they did. They literally left their fishing nets, they left what they were busy doing, and they followed Jesus. Um, you know, even this time of year, you know, it's something to chew on, but 
and, and I'm sure a lot of you have also worked on and thought about this, but, you know, you know, what would you think is really just the purpose and the destiny of your life? You know, coming to the end of the year, I'm saying, you know, well, have you actually picked up certain things about what is the purpose and what is the destiny of your life? Because that's the important question, why you're also alive, because of destiny and because of purpose. Isn't that so? So, um, you know, it might be the thing you're asking about, you know, what must I be doing? Or uh, is there more? Is there more that God wants to do through my life? Is there more that God wants to do in my life? Uh, I stay in the city and, uh, you know, I work in a certain place and I, I rotate in the week through to a certain place or work, whatever it might be. But is there more? And, um, you know, Jesus, he comes around and what he's wanting to do, he's wanting to take just normal fishermen and he's wanting to make them fishers of men. All right, And this is what God is even doing with us. He's really wanting, and this is a thing that God is wanting to, us to prepare our hearts, even to 2023, about that Jesus is coming and looking for laborers, but he's looking for fishers of men. Okay, And um, what does it actually mean? Well, it actually means to be a fisher of men is to actually do the ordinary, extraordinary Oh, you're a fisherman. It's doing the ordinary, extraordinary. So whatever you're doing ordinary, which you might feel mundane or ordinary. Oh, I'm busy in the office. I'm busy on the call. I'm busy in the lab. I'm busy at school. I'm busy at my work at the estate agent. I'm busy at school. I'm busy. It's the mundane. It's the ordinary. But God wants to do the extraordinary through the ordinary that you're doing. This is what he's wanting to do and get us ready for 2023. Um, you see, we've been called to actually be history makers. God's called us to be history makers. And um, we have to learn to be responsible for what actually the Lord has given you and me. We have to learn to be responsible for that. What has he given you and me? What is he giving you me to do? We have to be responsible in that. Okay, so Jesus is, what he's doing here, he's going down, he walks down to the Sea of Galilee, and what he's doing is, he's looking, he's looking at the sea down there, he's looking, he's coming into our city, Bloemfontein, he's looking in the office, he's looking there at the spa, he's looking at McDonald's, he's looking at Woolworths, but Jesus is looking to, for fishermen, fishers of men. He went down to the Sea of Galilee looking. So he's going to look for you at your place of responsibility. Wherever that is, your place of responsibility, he's looking for you. The place that he gave you to work at. He's looking for you at your place of responsibility. So, the scripture says this, that through your life in what you're doing, at where you're working, where you're staying, where you're going to buy your food. God is actually saying, and there's a scripture that says, they are going to see your good works. Alright? 
the scripture says, do your work in such a way that they see your good works and they glorify the Father in heaven. It's not about I get to, you know, it's, it's that I get to do the extraordinary things. It's, 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 it's about the things that um, I get to do in an extraordinary way. That's the difference. That what I'm doing, what you're doing at your work, where you might feel I'm lecturing, or I'm at school, or I'm busy studying, or I'm in the office. It's doing things in an extraordinary way that gives a reflection. It's like this one woman, I remember years ago, um, I might get the gist some of the story a little bit, not right, but basically um, this one woman, she was a teacher at this, uh, she was a Christian teacher at a school. And what she would actually do is every morning, and the people used to see her, you know, wondered why and that. She was the first one at school, and she had a key for a classroom, but she was the first person at school and early in the morning. And then one day, actually years later, they would always see the children in her class. They always just outperformed. They did well. They were emotionally well. They did well in, in their schooling. But what she would do is every morning, Every day, she would go early in the morning, and she'd go to every chair. And she'd put her hand on the chair. And she would pray for every child that sat in every single chair. She prayed every day when she went to school. And the fruit of that, only years later, that came out, that they realized the impact of this woman that no one saw. But the impact of what she did every day in her job. God was able to do extraordinary thing through ordinary thing that she was doing. When you do this, it gets you and me ready for the next thing that God has for you and me. When we are faithful with this, God brings us to another level of that he introduces us to. So God was working. Guess what? He was working in you. And he was working in me. Before I even knew him. <laughs> Do you know that? God was working in you. The naughty you. The naughty me. <laughs> the whatever. God was working in us. Before we even knew him. So, yes, Peter, James, and John, and they, the fishermen, and what happens is that Jesus goes down to watch them fish. And there's something about catching fish and working with fish that actually taught them to become fishers of men. There's something you're doing that God is watching you so that you can come to that place to do these extraordinary things, that you become fishers of men. That's what Jesus was watching. It wasn't just, well, I'm busy working. Oh, my goodness, boring. Guys, I've been there, I've done that. I had to run women's high-fashion shoe shops for years. While I was also in ministry, I had, I don't know how many cell groups running in the evenings I had, whatever. But I had to do this and say, Jesus, please set me free. I felt like Moses. You know, set the people free. <laughs> I felt like that. 
And the ladies come in the shops and they would look at me and, uh, and they would come with, huh, this shoe's got a scratch on. Huh, I want another pair. Huh, don't you take checks. No, we don't take checks, cash, credit card. Oh my goodness. I had nightmares. You don't know what I went through. None of you experienced that type of thing. The pressures of going through things. No, but I'm just joking. But you know, sometimes we go through things or what we do. But it's about the extraordinary things. Because God is watching what are we becoming in that season that we are busy with these things. And um, you've heard part of my testimony uh, actually, some of the people that cut one, well, the one before they married, actually the one, uh, but the couple that helped us originally plant, even this church and that, the, the lady that worked in our, one of our shops, um, you know, um, God just divinely how she ended up with us. And, and I mean, these guys God used later in that to help establish with us this church. And, um, but, you know, her life was impacted because the normal work at the shoe shops and helping people wasn't just the mundane normal thing. It became an extraordinary thing where we start to see a move of God in the shopping mall where we were at and the people around us encountering Jesus. I told you to such an extent that the presence of God would come into our shop that this girl, and I said, Jesus, what are you doing? You know, like I was like, you know, you like to be in control, especially if you're running the things. And where she would, the presence of God would so come that she would be so drunk in the spirit. I had to go put her in the storeroom. And she was lying in the ground, giggling and laughing in the presence of God. And I, and, and, and I said, you know, Lord, please, you know, just. But because God was just doing such an amazing thing in her life. You know, so even a shoe shop or storeroom can become an encounter room. And because of that, it affected her family. It affected people around in the shops and that. So I want to say, don't just take it normal what you're doing. God wants to take the normal and make it an extraordinary thing that he's doing. All right. So Jesus goes down to watch. What are they doing? And um, you see, God, you know, when, when God needed a leader, um, God knew Moses before Moses knew God. And we know the story of Moses, how Moses doesn't know God and, um, you know, he carries on in that until he encounters God. You know what? Many of us never knew Jesus. That was in our BC days. But Jesus knew us. And I want to tell you this, that God never wastes those times, even in our BC times. That's what we went through and what we've been involved and done. God doesn't waste that because he knows what we've been through. He knows what we're going through and what we've been through. So he goes and many times those, those are actually even training grounds that we go through in life. So it's not you throw away stuff. My father um, came to know the Lord only at the age of 60. And... Um, and he said to my, my boy, he said, oh, I've wasted my life. You know, how, how? And I said, Dad, no, you didn't. Because there's values of truth that they had imparted in our lives. There's certain things, the way they lived their life, that impacted our community as well as different regions in South Africa just through their position that he had in work, in his vocation. But he carried a certain value in that. And I said, Dad, there's things that, 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 that we see in your life 
that God has already been dealing with in your life. So God uses our BC days before Christ. It does, it's not wasted, guys. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, if I look at my own life and I think, oh my goodness, you know, the bars, the, the women, the alcohol, the whatever it might be. And I look at it and you, and you realize there's marks also that God turn around, even today with some people that have got saved because they know my testimony, that knew me then. Amen? So, you might say, you know, but, um, you know, your kids, ah, you know, you've got children, whatever, your kids don't know the Lord, or maybe they might, or they, they need to get to know the Lord. But I want to tell you, God is busy working on your children's testimony. You might think, oh my goodness, I mean, I told you we went to church, when we ever we went to church, me and my two older brothers, and we were kids, they said, oh, you, Dawn and Roti, you got such wonderful children, they always behaved in church, but the secret was, my mom had a pack, uh, like a, a packet full of sweets, and as soon as we said, wah, wah, whatever, and we were sitting with mouthfuls of sweets sitting next, because that's where you sat, so that was a trick. Okay, but now we have children church. Um, so, you know, God's busy working on a testimony even of your children. All right. You might say, my children are far gone. You might say, your parents. Some of you might have parents that don't know the Lord yet. God is working on their testimony, man. So, yeah, we have Peter was fishing and um, Jesus watched. Do you know that physical obedience brings about spiritual release. Spiritual or physical obedience brings about spiritual release. Jesus is watching. What am I responsible? What am I doing with what I'm doing? All right, my daughter's not in here at the moment. Ah, she should have heard this one. She would have said, yes, dad. So for those who know what I'm speaking about, just nod your heads. I know a certain age group will know what I'm speaking about. And those who have children that are watching the following series will know what I'm speaking about. It's called Cobra Kai. For those about 500 years earlier in my time, it was called the Karate Kid. Karate Kid, remember Karate Kid. And um, remember this whole thing about, and I'm speaking about the physical obedience brings about Spiritual release. So yeah, we have the Karate Kid and Mr. Uh, Miyagi. So those who watch the uh, Cobra Kai series, actually very good. We watch it. We're waiting for the new one to come out. But um, yeah, it's Mr. Uh, Miyagi. And remember with the original Karate Kid, they, um, there's uh, Daniel-san. Dan- Daniel-san. And he was being taught karate. He says, I want to be taught karate. And the next minute, um, you know, <laughs> Mr. Miyagi goes and says, okay, I want you to paint that fence. Paint up, paint down. Paint up, paint down. And it's like you see the karate kid, he's getting, oh, you know, I thought you'd teach me karate. No, no, no. Daniel-san, Daniel-san, be patient. Daniel-san. And then he says, no, no, come. Yes, cars. You're going to wash all these cars and you're going to polish them. Wax on. Wax off. Wax on. Wax off. And this Daniel, Daniel San is getting very frustrated. He's, you know, I'm supposed to be learning karate. And then he goes and it's, you know, it's, it's the, the whole wax on, wax off. It's the painting, paint up, 
paint down. And uh, the one day he comes and he's so frustrated and Mr. Miyagi's had a few sake to have <laughs> sake wine. And, uh, and I know you all live in your childhood memory, some of you sitting here and watching. So here is, here is um, Mr. Miyagi and he's sitting and he's smiling. And Daniel son comes and he says, I'm tired. I've, all I've been doing is painting and polishing cars and waxing on, waxing off. And... Uh, Mr. Miyagi says, um, he says, Daniel-san, show me painting fence. Do you know that the karate kid Daniel was learning karate even when he was waxing the cars and painting? And there's things you and I are learning when you think you're just, whether you're selling houses, whether you're selling cars, whether you're learning things. Because God is with you. He's watching things that you're doing. You're learning things even in the ministry, right where you are, without realizing it. So even when we had like running these, business, these businesses, the, I mean, there's things that I learned that, that only later I realized. I can give you some of those tips. It came with a price tag though. No, but it's these things we learn. And think, ah, oh, the pain, the conflict we go through. Anyone had conflict? Ah, oh, business. Oh my goodness. These guys crooked me or whatever. You learn. What am I learning? And you come and you step at a certain stage and you learn certain things. You know, God is with me. He's been with me through this. Alright, so yeah, in uh, John chapter 1, he has a story about, um, you can just look in John chapter 1 about John the Baptist. And uh, you'll see there in, um, in, in verse 35 and to 38 it says, And I've seen... Uh, sorry, uh, sorry. again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Verse 37, The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. So, yeah, we see that he has two disciples that were John the Baptist's disciples. Which um, started to follow Jesus. Okay? And uh, what happens is, John the Baptist says, listen, but there's Jesus. Points to Jesus and they follow Jesus. Okay, so Peter stops following John, that's John the Baptist, and follows Jesus. Now in, in Matthew eleven seventeen, there's a scripture that says this. Jesus said, John sang the dirge and did not mourn. Okay, John the Baptist. John sang the dirge and did not mourn. 
I played the flute and you did not dance. So a dirge is a funeral song. And the flute is a wedding song. It gets played at a wedding. Right. So Isaiah 42 verse 9 says, Behold, the former things have come to pass. Behold, I proclaim new things to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. Isaiah wasn't busy saying, listen, just sing a new song. He was actually saying, a new season requires a new song. A new way of thinking. Okay, so, what God is doing at the moment, he's not busy doing the next thing. What God is doing now, he's doing a new thing. Okay, so when God is doing a new thing, the old things don't have anything to do with the new thing. What worked in the wilderness doesn't work in the promised land. And that's part of the prophetic word as well. There's a promised land of things that God has for the church now. That through our hands, that God wants to do the extraordinary things. Alright, so... Um, yes, a change of season that's taken place. We see with John, yes, something that happens. We're following John. Okay, no, 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 follow Jesus. There's a, a season, a new season that has opened up and God is busy doing something. In Matthew 16, Jesus was asking, um, he, he says, basically he says, yeah, Jesus says, the actual correct translation, it says, um, who am I? Remember, he asked Peter, he says, who am I? And um, the correct translation is, who am I to you? He's saying, who am I to you? Is the correct translation. So Peter says to him the following. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. All right. Then he, Jesus says to him, he says, blessed Simon Bar Jonah, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. So when Jesus says, Who am I to you? Without thinking, what would you say? Without thinking, what did Peter say? Without thinking, Peter says, you are Christ. You are the anointed one. That's what it was meant. You are Christ. Christ means the anointed. You are the anointed one. And then Jesus says, you, Simon, your name is going to be Peter. So, listen to me. Whoever Jesus is to you, he will be through you. Whoever Jesus is to you, he will be through you. So if you describe Jesus, if you go and you describe Jesus, you will describe what you should be doing.
remember you have to be a human being before you become a human doing. So some of us are finding identity in what we do instead of what we are. What God says we are. When you're telling who Jesus is to you, you're telling who Jesus must be through you. Okay, so Peter says, you are the anointed one. You are the power. You are, and Jesus says, you're the one that hell won't prevail against. He tells him that. Hades will not prevail against you. He says, hell won't prevail against you. Um, but, you know, what am I supposed to be doing? Well, tell me who Jesus is to you. Well, you know, Jesus is the Lamb. He's the Lamb of God to me. Well, look after, find the lost. Uh, well, Jesus is, um, you know, Jesus is, 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 is the one who loves the sick. Well, go heal the sick. Um, you know, well, I love Jesus. You know, he's the best teacher. He gets his revelations. And I mean, I'm stunned by all the revelations. Well, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Stun people with the revelations Jesus gives you. <coughs> Peter. Jesus says to him, Peter, you are a rock. What is a rock? Stable. Peter, you're immovable. That's what the rock is. Jesus is a rock. Peter, you are a rock. You, you're unmovable. You are stable, man. In Luke 20, 22, you can have a look at the story of, of Peter's um, denial. Luke 22 is about the denial that, where Peter denies Jesus. Remember this, that two people denied Jesus, by the way. Judas denied Jesus and Peter denied, denied Jesus. The one went and hung himself. And the other one became the head of the church. If you want to be great, you need to know how to actually fail successfully. Everyone in the Bible I've seen that God has used has failed. Shoo! God, then you can use me. Your bad decisions are either a stumbling block or they're actually a stepping stone. You know, all of us have different things that we've gone through in that, but what are you going to decide to do with those things? The thing is, what I see over the years is that many people can't get, they can't get past what has happened in their past. 
And instead of and God has been there from the beginning. Instead of it being a stepping stone, it becomes actually your stumbling stone. And yet God never intended like that. Because he wants to use us as a testimony to show his greatness. <laughs> this is scary. Judas denied Jesus once. Peter denied Jesus three times. In the book of Matthew, we see how Peter, he takes Jesus aside. Remember, and he rebukes Jesus. Because Jesus says, listen, I'm going to be going to the cross. I'm going to die now. And Peter takes Jesus aside and he rebukes and says, no, you're not. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Okay, you don't want Jesus telling you that as well. Because it's going to touch places where it shouldn't touch. But, you know, get behind me, Satan. And Jesus says to him, he says, you set your mind on things of man and not the things of God. And you opened yourself basically to an evil spirit. That's what he's telling him. And Jesus says, listen, I'm not going to only die. And he's telling Peter this. I'm not going to only die. But you're also going to betray me. <laughs> oh my goodness. And Peter says, no, I will never betray you, Jesus. And Jesus betrays uh, sorry, Peter betrays Jesus three times. In Mark 16, we see, this, we see the story where Jesus uh, stands up from the grave. And he comes out. And uh, remember, Mary goes to the tomb of Jesus. And um, the angel says to Mary, as Jesus rose from the dead. So the angel says to Jesus, uh, sorry, the, the angel says to Mary, she says the following. He says the following. Go tell his disciples and Peter, I'm alive. Why do you think they added Peter? Don't you think maybe the other disciples were probably thinking of Peter who had denied Jesus? And they actually put him in the same class as Judas. In Isaiah 61, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to grant, and it carries on, it says, to grant all who mourn, in Zion to give them a garland instead of ashes. What is a garland? Is flowers. What it's saying and prophesying what Jesus is saying, I'm gonna give you for your ashes, I'm gonna give you flowers. For what you messed up, I'm gonna give you flowers. So wherever you had failure, I'm gonna give you flowers. Whatever you messed up in, I'm going to give you flowers. Whatever you, you, you did wrong, this, I'm going to give you flowers. You're not going to sing a funeral song. You're going to sing a wedding song. 
And it carries on in Isaiah, it says, And they shall return and build the ancient ruins. They shall rebuild the ruined cities. Who is that? The people who failed. That's why God uses you and me. What qualifies you is just to say yes. And Jesus, I believe, is busy walking around and looking for the laborers. And the church is having to pray to the Lord of the harvest for laborers. Because it's in the church that the laborers are. Which God is saying, you and me need to become actively involved in becoming fishers of men. No matter how you feel. No matter what you've messed up in. No matter what you might feel, I, I, you know, my marriage and not uh, challenges, or you know, I, with my child, I messed up here. Doesn't matter. There's my father, sixty years old. He says, "Sure, I've wasted my life." I said, "Dad, no, you didn't. I wouldn't have wanted another father. You were the best father to me, even with all your mistakes." Because there's things that I learned that were godly, even with him. To what lies ahead. Guys, 2023. Forgetting what lie, lay behind in 2022. Forgetting what lies behind in 2022. Reaching forward to what lies ahead in 2023. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And Jesus goes and he takes Peter as a fisherman and places him as an apostle to the Jews. And he takes Paul, who's an expert in Judaism, the most well-scholared guy. And he sends him to the Gentiles. It's not how brilliant and how skilled you in all these wonderful things you have. It's in your failures and your weaknesses that you actually find God's strength. That God says, I want to use you just because you said, I'll follow you. I want to make you fishers of men. Two Corinthians twelve ten, I'll be landing. The word of God says, "For when I am weak, you are strong. For when I am weak, you are strong." Do you know? Do you know why? Like I said, ninety nine point nine percent, almost every single day, I've said to you, I will encourage and send things through to the church and other people. Outside our city in other places every almost every single day. The reason being is because you're on my heart and mind, and those are out there on heart and mind, but because I need to be encouraged. And if I encourage you when I'm weak, and there's many times I'm weak, I'm encouraged. By encouraging you. 
And this is the thing, if you feel weak in areas of your life, you feel, whether, you know, I feel sick. I've said this before, if you're feeling sick, if there's an ailment, go pray for sick people. If you feel unloved, go love on people. If you feel alone, go to people that seem lonely. Guys, the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. And this is what God said for 2023. There's an upside down way that we're going to see things work. That's the kingdom of God. Who wants to be the greatest of you all? Wash that one's feet. Serve them. God wants to advance his kingdom through you now. Don't wait for someone else. God wants to advance the kingdom through you now. That's a word now. It's not about, oh, I'm going to get my life together. I must first get this, you know, and when I, I know how to, now. I told you the first miracles I saw was literally days after I got saved. Because I read it in the word. Pray for the sick and be healed. And I saw the miraculous happen. Boom. Just like that. Not when I was ready, I promise you. If I had to give you my baggage stories, you'll be depressed. God has already put everything in you that you and I need. For such a time as this. Now, you were born for such a time as this now. Yeah, but you know, South Africa, we're going through this. and that. You were born for such a time as this. You and I have the answers. Huh? You and I have the answers. Moses was put under a pharaoh. He had to come under and learn the ways of a king. And then he had to unlearn all those ways. So he had to find a strength in God. But God was looking for a leader. He wanted to bring it to redeem a nation. He wanted to deliver a nation. The word for 2023 is the spirit of deliverance is coming upon us. Why? So that we can deliver. We can see people being delivered into the kingdom of God. I want to just pray for you now. God's not busy with the next thing. He's busy with a new thing. If you want to just stand, I'm going to pray for everyone. If you say, but I don't have the confidence, I want to pray for each one of you. And those online, you might feel that you don't have the strength. You might feel that you've prayed, whether it's for the sick and nothing's happened, and never. Um, I want to promise you, if you prayed for people who are sick, every single time you pray for someone, something happens. Because something happens in the spirit. Whether you've seen it yet manifest or not, something happens. Because God is faithful to his word. So, I want to just pray for everyone here and just end off with this, even for 2020, what, 22. But I, Father, I want to just pray for confidence that, I just want to release the spirit of confidence in people's lives. The meek, the poor, the quiet, and even the introverts. I pray for the spirit of 
of boldness, the spirit of confidence that will come upon your body, your church. And that we would see the sleeping giant arise. And that every part fulfilling its function and purpose. Lord, you've not just called us to survive. You've called us to rule, to reign, to have dominion. And actually to multiply and to be fruitful. I pray for this year coming, Lord, that there will be a fruitfulness. Because we have the spirit of confidence to know that our confidence lies in our Father. In our God. In our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, so this morning I just want to release that spirit of confidence in people's lives and hearts to know that it is now. There is a harvest and you're looking around because you're looking for laborers that say, yes, here I am. Send me. I pray, Father, this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.